All right, everyone, thanks for coming out or hanging out for the podcast and set. How about a big round of woohoo? Yeah, podcast and set. Yeah. This week, of course, we welcome Mr. Derek Miller. Hi, everybody. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, Derek. Let's, <laughs> let's use our radio voices. <laughs> Get real NPR. That's funny, the, the, actually, the, the, the first one of these I did. Just this one, point out your body just betrays you. Cause I, I, I got up here, you know, all right, we're going to do the first podcast. And it was me, Brian, and Emily. And I got up here, and I was like, okay, so. <laughs> like my, my voice just went up like half an it's octave. Like eighth grade play. Yeah, I was like, okay, why am I talking so high right now? I feel fine, but my body is saying, no, 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 you're nervous. Gotta do what I hear. Uh, that's, that's a strange little tangent out of the gate. Uh, that reminds me, you ever have that where your body just like, because like, I'm never nervous when I play. Right, but but sometimes like my body, like I'll feel nauseous. Yeah, yeah. Like mentally, I'm like, I'm not fucking, I'm not nervous. I'm just doing no. do a set. What the hell's the problem? Then your body's like, No, no, you are. You're nervous, man. Yeah. Or like you sometimes, I've done a couple of times where like I've physically done something that I thought I could do. Like, oh, I could do, I could get on my hands and do a donkey kick, and then like, oh, I think I slipped a disc, and then I'm like the rest of the show, I'm in a chair. Like, <laughs> I don't like, no, my, but my body did not want to do that. Oh, but you probably also had the alt. The other side of that ex- experience where it's like, oh, you do shit on stage, you're like, I can't believe I actually did that. Yeah, that's true, too. Like the adrenaline, like, yeah. like the woman lifting the car to save her baby. Like, oh, I, I just did a jig or whatever it was, yeah. Like me doing a push-up at all on stage. <laughs> it's like Her- Herculean. <laughs> so, Derek, you're actually, how, how long have you been at this? Uh, I've been doing, well, improv, like, legit... I don't know, like almost 20 years now, I think. I'm a Chicago guy, and I started kind of in high school. Um, but I started doing improv, like, you know, like when you grow up in Chicago, it's like you're doing it. I did it at Piven and Interlock, and then, like, it's kind of part of the right. nomenclature when you're a child. So it's just for you. dyed in the wool. Yeah, for me it was. You know, I was born doing improv. Because it was around. Yeah. Uh, what did that make me think? So it was a long time. But, yeah, I used to, you know, like I said, I was telling you before, I used to pop and watch you perform. It was like 20 years. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you, you were in Chicago back when I was there. Mm-hmm. We, 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 but I was, yeah. We mentioned. Not we fully lit. active. I'm much older. I'm, <laughs> I, I turned 50 in February. Holy, stop it. So, yes, 50. I see 50 as the last great birthday. Yeah. I think that, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to 50. <laughs> yeah. I think 50 is going to be awesome. It's like 50, man. That's it's, legit. It's like gravitas and then cranky. You're 50. Right. You're 49. Yeah. No. 49. But if you die at 49, that's too young. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You die at 50. It's like, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I I see that. He's 50. At least. He made made 50. Uh, So right now, you're out of Chicago. You've been out here for probably a long time. It's been 17, 18 now. Yeah. I was in this theater when it was I.O. Uh, yeah, so it's been a while. And now you're over at the Nerdist. Uh, now I'm at Nerdist. Still doing I.O., though. I still do Opening Night, the musical, which is, I started my first year out here, which is insane that, that like your first show you do on a lark ends up lasting that long, which has been... It's amazing at that... I mean, I, yeah. I, I think I've mentioned it before on, on the cast where you know, people... Cause, like the, the shows the, like the family did were like we did Three Mad Rituals for eight months. Right. And then we said, all right, what else? Yeah. <laughs> then we came up with Dynamite Fun Nest, and we did that for like six months. 
and then we were off to other things. Yeah, it, yeah, it, you, you get bored or whatever. I mean, well, even when I was doing Bitter Noah, I thought that was going to last longer than the musical would. I mean, Bitter Noah lasted maybe two years in earnest, you know, before everybody wanted to kill each other. But um, I don't, some something about the musical, I don't know. It's been fantastic though, and it's something through the years. I'm like, well, I, I, we can we can be done now. It's just there's no need. We have beautiful houses every week, and right, it, yeah. It, it reminds me of some. Uh, I how was I? I can't remember where I heard or read this, but it was Mick Napier uh, talking about us visualizing improvisational shows, the art form, as a product rather than just the process. Mm -hmm. uh, and in a way, that's already happened. Because to me, like when you do a show for 17 years, that's a product. It's a product, yeah. And uh, I mean, it's, it's a weird thing where the show's in the test, like opening night, the improvised musical. Like what other show is like, it's blank, blank, the improvised, you know, something. I mean, like the, in the improv studio does it, like it's improvised uh, Twilight Zone or Jane Austen or something to that effect. But, um, you know, everything else is a little too, I mean, I think people like product, ultimately. I think that's why they come back. People love product. People love product. They buy products. Um, and that's why it's kind of stuck around. I mean, here's the other thing is, though, too, is like here's the, here's the show that we rehearse every week still. I mean, we've been doing this show 17 years and I think it's like the thing that I keep trying to impress upon younger improvisers we still try to like we got to crack this new nut you know it's like oh Hamilton came out we got to figure out that musical right. you know it's like the world keeps changing so how do we keep up with it even though we're all you know a little longer in the tooth it's funny because uh, for the, the longest time you know it's like how do you get improv like on the television how do you get mm -hmm. it how do you crack that nut I try every year <laughs> uh <laughs> But to me, I think it was really just something that was, you know, again, I thought it was, I don't know if, I never thought of it this way, and it's just another moment of Mick Napier teaching me, of the idea of like, no, change your mental thought of it. Like, because I've always thought, well, improv is, it's, a, it's the art form, it's the process. Mm -hmm. uh, and yes, it belongs on stage in front of an audience, which Absolutely. makes it a product, but since it's never able to break that high echelon into television or movies really mm -hmm. then it's like but is it really a product well start fucking thinking that it is yeah absolutely uh and make it become that so i'm i'm on board with yeah, i think the first step that's gonna be too because i think about this a lot i've got an improv show that i'm developing right now too which i've tried several times but this is the closest i've gotten but again it's got to do there's a gimmick and there's a thing and then and there's a, there's a way to get around that it's not what i envision but hey if, if, if it's gonna make money you it's make another money. step just yeah. like i mean i think i think the the theaters are following in a similar way like a first there was you know the games mm-hmm uh, the short form games, yeah, yeah. and you know those had to come before the long forms came. And on television, we've already had success with uh, whose line is it anyway? Mm -hmm. Right. So that's short form games. Yep. Uh, those are more accessible, very explainable. Right. And like, can we do? What's when is that next? Yeah. Step then we've seen measured amounts of improvisation in shows like Curb Your Enthusiasm or It's Always Sunny. So it's like if if people know that that's existing or that's part of the structure, the construct of it all, then why can't it just exist on its own? And I think the problem is is they haven't done this properly yet. They do it fine on Who's Line because we get to know who those people were. But for a long time they were pretty faceless, you know. And it's like they won't venerate the improviser in a lot of these shows or venerate the people who are doing the improvising, like in hidden prank shows or even like on Wild and Out. Like they wanted to move that cast around so much so you only knew who Nick Cannon was on that show. So it was like the improvisers had to take a back seat to the circus of everything else that was going on. So and until people are really recognized for that talent, which I think we could, we could happen really easily, like if it's a simple paradigm shift on the top in terms of the people up top, because I mean, they're using improvisational talent for everything now and using improvisers right. and stuff, and they're going to the schools for it. It's like, okay, well, now how, how to make it exist? And that's, that's where they have to crack and get their brains around it. It's tough.
Yeah, but I, I, I have renewed faith that it's going to it's going to happen. Uh, I think it is just a matter of well, let, 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 let's look at it like well, that. The, well, the beautiful thing is with the internet too. I mean, people can take the chances. I mean, people have wanted to come out and live uh, cut opening night, you know, and then put it up online. And, and there's a live feed that exists now, and people can log on. But if you just had somebody simply switching it, like and there's, I saw a thing today where you could buy these Moxie cameras. Have you seen this? Where you can set them down, and you can control them with your iPhone, and you could do live like switching, like as if you were doing a sporting event. Like, wow, the, for me, instantly, I thought, for improv, that's fucking fantastic. If you have somebody in the front row with an iPad just, like, take, uh, capturing the show that way, zooming in on this face and that. And you can do face tracking. You can even track certain characters right. with, this, with this stuff. So I think, like, that will probably be the first thing to do it, I, I would think. I, the, I, I always imagine that you, the first thing you need is for, like, some good improvisers to become, like, technical people. Yeah, exactly. Which they don't want to be. They yeah. don't want to be the one filming no, it. And it's like, yeah, but to know, where to, put, to know where to put the camera, to know where to focus. they got to make friends with those people. But, but I mean, the people themselves, they have to know how to do it. Yeah. Like, to film a show, you, you got to realize, oh, he just said that. I know where to put the camera now because I'm know mm -hmm. what's. i pretty sure what's about to happen. It's like reteaching everyone the movie, you know, like <laughs> what to focus in and cut in on the improvised movie. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, so... That's opening night. Uh, that's what's been going on for a long time. What's going on over the Nerdist? Um, Nerdist has been fantastic. We're like two and a half years in, and we had a great uh, amount of people matriculate. And a two and a half uh, years in, <laughs> and, uh, we've been here for f maybe <laughs> eight years, yeah. or seven we're, or eight we're, years. We're fresh. We're young. Pups. Oh, we're ancient. <laughs> we're ancient here. Died in the wool here. <laughs> um, but no, it's really nice. And I think um, the thing for me was this is kind of interesting that we just were talking about this. For me, I, I always felt like the schools never uh, properly dealt with Los Angeles in the right way in terms of building a career as an improviser uh, and how do we um, tailor our improvisational talents for writing, acting, even like Saturday Night Live and stuff like that. It's like, cool, make your own audition and come in and do it. It's like, well, why are the schools not teaching this? Why are these not these things there that are preparing them for that? Because ultimately they're using that talent, but they're not tailoring it. Because I started working in um, commercial casting. I got tapped real early on like, hey, come, we want you because you teach improv to do all of our commercial casting sessions. We want you in the room because you're better than these guys because you can actually tell people how to be funny or get the shit out of them. Right. And I was like, oh, well, weird. Why is there not a class then that teaches people how to do improv for commercials? Why does that not exist or use their improv in that way? It's like you're kind of left to fend for yourself. So when we were starting the curriculum of nerds, for me, the exciting thing was is we, we are part of the Nerdist family and under legendary pictures and all that stuff. So there's this upstream where potentially people could get on the website or on the TV shows because they got At Midnight now and uh, the, the Midnight, sh uh, the Nerd Melt show with uh, Joan and Kamal. So there was these uh, possibilities for that and it's just seemed like a better fit in terms of tailoring improv for the industry. And that's kind of where I'm living now with stuff. Like I've, I've done all the insane uh, long form and you know getting to apply, do an experimental play now it's like okay cool it's like you said everybody studied everywhere else it's like now how do you make money on it or how do you bank product <laughs> right Which you you do a podcast you do a podcast and the, then the truck full of money <laughs> starts pulls up the the people from kirkland purified water on you. sponsoring the <laughs> podcast but hey, um out my kirkland water it's the best water costco <laughs> makes <laughs> You just made $20 saying that. I think, I, I, I think Costco <laughs> pours it right out of the Costco tap in the back of the store into the bottles. Guy does a great job. Uh, but it's kind of funny if, if improvisers think, think about it. If you if you look at the world of startups and internet, it's like everything that people are doing is uh, uniquely tailored for that. So there is this – we're very – 
prepped for a renaissance for improvisers to kind of start ruling the world. Now if they become tech savvy and they and want to apply those tools in a certain way because they want somebody who can do everything and think on their feet. Right. It saves them writing. It saves them casting. If you could come to a theater and cast everything right out of it, um, it's a really kind of uh, hip tool. So it's figuring out how to be empowered by that and get away from that mentality that um, what we do is worth not getting paid for. You right. Know, you know, because improvisers are of <coughs> the, the mind of, well, just do it for free. Uh, it's like, how do you how do you monetize that now? It's because like some of us have children, right? <laughs> <laughs> what it's making me think is like, yeah, there's like that's. I think that's a great way to be looking at it when you're sort of at a position more toward, I guess, the end of your study, I suppose. Because mm-hmm. uh, you tell you, I wouldn't tell a beginning improviser here's you need to start thinking. No, about no, not at all. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's, it's improv for different things. It's like, hey, if you want if you want to learn uh, finger picking on the guitar, you're you're going a different route, right? If you if you're learning power chords, you're learning something else. So it's it's a, using a different instrument. It's not seeing improv improv as a, as only a certain thing. It's like it's a utility belt that can be used for other things. Um, certainly, people who just come through Nerdist proprietarily have never studied anywhere else I still am seeing really cool success with them and they play in a neat kind of way that I really appreciate and I think that's kind of neat and it deserves its own little place Um, I wouldn't say for them not to study anywhere else or to learn any other thing Um, but it's not completely useless (laughs) you know right yeah I'm I'm just thinking because there's when you're starting out you you should of course and to me you should always be trying you should always be if you have an idea for a you know podcast a show a book, anything. You should always be trying, no matter what your mm-hmm. skill level is. Yeah. Uh, always be trying to create product. There's no reason not to. The question I think that I, I I'm wondering is is as 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 a teacher, and when I when you're looking at students, like at, at what point? I'm trying. I'm, I'm thinking for myself, and the answer is not helpful. Uh, which is at, at at what point do you start trying to turn the thing you're studying sort of passionately as an art form? You sort of turn that into all right. Not, not now. I'm gonna turn this into into something else. Right. Well, that makes me money. Yeah. And when should a student be thinking that? Even though I, I guess kind of, I guess you'd always be thinking that. Right. No, but I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think that they're not mutually exclusive. I think that it, it it's it happens from the moment of impact when you're doing it. If you are coming. This was this was gonna to say to you outside. We were talking about um, the different schools of thought and everything. And I think the main thing that everybody tries to capitalize on. We we create the equations. We can create the things that we look at a scene and like a tenants of a good scene have these things. Like they have your four tenants or they have character types or whatever it might be. But the germ, the the thing that that is the start of it all is the inspiration, and that's something that we as teachers can never uh, replicate. That's a personal journey, right? For anybody. Right. So. For us to be able to pull that out of someone or be able to uh, ins- give people the license to be inspired, like that's, to me now, that's what I'm looking to get from everybody because I think good work can happen so much faster if people allow themselves to be inspired, if they find that thing that they went, <gasps> that they heard or something that happened in stage or, or however they can get a <gasps> out of a suggestion that they're pretty great and it's really germane and specific to them as a product. Um, but also it, it, it can exist within a show in terms of creating a character that can exist for like sitcom or narrative or anything like that. It can fit into that world. He says something that's very interesting to me. Just the idea, because I, I don't think I'd thought of it in quite this way. Uh, so often in teaching, you run across the student. I mean, you find that the student, you know, like the, the, they signed up for one thing, right? And in the course of pursuing that one thing, it's like, sort of life opened up on them 
and just like, oh, I was, I just came here to learn some games or whatever, and I, I realized that, oh, I'm, I have value, <laughs> right? Uh, right. I, I can do this. I, I, I can actually try and keep doing this. Where it's like that's, that's what, I, that's what, my mind thought when you said uh, the finding the, uh, the, the spark of inspiration or the, uh, the, the thing is like I think a lot of times people go into improv not realizing it's about to get you. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it is, I think it's that, it can be that overwhelming a, uh, a, a study uh, as far as just how, how much it can bring to you very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what that, 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 again, I was asking my question, like, I was thinking, my, when am I going to turn what I can do into a product? Uh, <laughs> yeah, when should yeah, I tell a like student to do it? Well, don't wait 30 years. Right. I can right. tell you that. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, that, that's why I laugh at all the schools fighting over us. It's just like it's it's all everyone's trying to put a name on on the uh, the unquantifiable uh, quantity of the equation, which is the inspiration. That's that's the that's the one variable that is. is that's, un- you, you said, uh, uh, that's what you said. That I mean, w- that, that was the word, the inspiration, the inspir- what I, mean, I was thinking the inspiration of the student. Mm-hmm. Like th- that's the initial thing. Who, for, who's the person? I want to go take an improv class. That's uh, that's right. a strange thing for a human being, yeah. I suppose. Uh, just I, w- I want to do this, and I, I think initially it's uh, maybe it's because they want to be funny or they want to get on a show or whatever else. Then mm-hmm. they discover in those classes something else. Is what I was trying to say. I yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, that's the fun thing too to see people who aren't dyed in the wool improvisers and to watch that kind of awakening. And everything, and then the other thing I like too about um, what we've got going on is we aren't the 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 end game isn't Harold, so it's kind of silly to to even talk about that because it's we definitely have shows and we want people to understand the musculature and the uh, the process and where their place is within a long form piece. But ultimately, um, there are a lot of people who can never figure that out, right? Like they've gone through the process, they've awakened these things, but it might not be their gig or their bag. What else can they do? And we, uh, that's what I want to find the home for those people. Are they fantastic at knowing improv, but now they can edit it or live switch it on a screen, or they can create a podcast, or they are good at writing? It's like fine. It's like no child almost left behind in service right. of, of you know, hey, we've awakened this beast in you. I'm not going to fucking abandon you yeah. because so many schools, like you know, they'll cut you from a team. Uh, you know, or a place, and then it's like, okay, I'll audition again next year. Like, well, no, your life's still happening. Yeah. You know, your career's still happening. Yeah. You still exist as a creative entity. It, it, the act of performing is a, is a blip in the process. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. The process is your life. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, look at like opening night was a show we created on our own. We, that wasn't a team that was put together by the powers that be. Uh, neither was uh, Bitter Noah or any of those, you know, or my early groups that I played on or were fortunate enough to. None so. of the best teams that I can think of were put together. I mean, basically, they wound up putting themselves together. Yeah. Uh, I think that's almost all. I think that's always the case. <laughs> uh, I don't yeah. think anyone can sit above and say, oh, I know that you two will work perfectly right, right, with right, these right. four. Uh, and it's always shocking to me too when I start to hear about drama when, when you think that you've crafted like a perfect group you're like what how are you guys not getting along you guys were the perfect people to fit together so there is no rhyme or reason because they it, started right? dating yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> they all they all started fucking <laughs> they all yeah. started fucking and everything fell apart <laughs> uh, <laughs> seems like there's some familiarity with that <laughs> in the audience uh, yeah, so don't fuck the people you're playing with. Don't sh- 
don't shit where you eat. Quit the team and then buy him a drink. <laughs> <laughs> yes, quit the team, be, become a, 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 an editor. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can date that person. But, um, so I don't know. It, that's a funny thing too. Like you get to this point. I, I've been lucky enough to work. You know, I've, I've got, I've had, a, I've gotten to be on a few series. You know, a series regular. And like, you get to the to this thing where like, okay, cool. Well, my career now. Like McKay said something interesting years ago where like he's like improv is just the diving board. And I was like, oh, fuck, why did I not see that earlier? Like, this needs to be the springboard for something bigger and something greater, and I've got to take this on. So, like, let's say when, when, I, when I got my first series reg gig on a show, like, oh, cool, now I don't have to fucking freak out doing 20 improv shows a week or whatever it was. <laughs> and I got through it. But I'm, you miss it, and you miss that – and, and you have to keep doing it, and you have to keep exercising. So it's like, like okay, I, I, but that's but Adam doesn't perform anymore, and he stopped performing once he started doing stuff. And right. I don't know if he could improvise anymore. I have no idea. But I'm pretty sure he can. He can yeah, still, yeah, yeah, no, he I can know. still throw. Yeah. <laughs> well, but he doesn't. One want thing to. is, you're always improvising. I mean, it's the thing. That right. We were improvising before we started improvising. Uh, when you stop, you're day to day. Absolutely. How you deal with people, how you listen, how you react, what you hear, it's all. It, that's all improvising. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I'm sure, I'm sure he's doing no, fine. Sure he's, yeah. On, on, on that end. But uh, but but the thing was like, how do you figure out that balance and stuff like that? And because no one teaches you that, and you're kind of left to that. Well, I certainly didn't, didn't learn. I mean, he was very. I mean, almost everyone that I, I came through with was much smarter than me in that regard. <laughs> I, I was never taking. Well, I'm doing this to get to that. Right. I was all like, No, I'm doing this. Yeah. This is uh, yeah. great. He's like, I just had fucking art form blinders on. And I was like, well, there's no point in doing anything else because this is great. Uh, no, it took me a long time, too. It was like, like I was saying outside, like all my goals were like, oh, I want to I want to do a show with Neil Flynn. I want to do a show with it. I want to I want to play right. this thing. And like, oh, I ticked all those things off my list by the time I was 23. And then like, for the next seven now years, what? I'm still. Yeah, exactly. What do I do now? Yeah, something so, else. Yeah. Uh, what was that? Ah, what's the. You were, we were talking outside about uh, rules versus no rules. Yeah, rules versus no rules. Uh, which to me is, I think it's a silly, I, I, I don't think there's any real argument. I, I think it's a misconception or a, a poor way of communicating the idea. I think it's, what's, it's a truism that to say you don't want any rules when you play, mm -hmm. you have to know what you're dismissing, which means you already have to know a bunch of rules. Mm -hmm. uh, so you already know them. And I think people who already know them have them built into their heads uh, so that they don't think about them anymore. Sure. Uh, and then they play with no rules, right? Which I, I agree with. Like when I play, I don't have any rules when I play. Mm -hmm. I just just my reaction. Uh, so I, I really don't understand. I, I guess I don't understand what the argument is there. I mean, to me, it's fruitless because it's if if I'm able to achieve something, if I teach something, no rules. Because I, I fancy myself as being a no rules teacher. But I also have the benefit of teaching people that have studied other places. I might have a 50-50 split in a class. So the people that have never learned the rules are learning rules by osmosis off the people who've learned rules. I don't know. But I have the luxury of not having to teach any rules. I come from a place... But then, but, 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 but to me, it's like, if you're teaching someone... Like, say, you have a, I'm sure you have new students. I have right. a brand new student. Yeah. Comes into the class. Mm -hmm. Uh, all right, I'm not going to teach you any rules. Mm -hmm. Go. Yeah, go. Right? But, I mean, what's the, what do you But what you what can you teach is how to foster that inspiration, how to find those moments of impact or the things that happen to be able to trust your impulse or your response to something, right? 
So I mean, you could but say that's that that's a, a rule. That's a rule. Yeah, I, mean, that's a rule. I mean, like I'm talking about rules in terms of like uh, ABC, if then blah, blah, blah. Do you know what I mean? Like if this is said, then this is said. And you honoring this and breaking down something analytically, going back through the words of a scene. Do you know what I mean? Well, you don't, you don't do that when you play, never. No, I know, absolutely not. But I also don't have to do that when I'm teaching. I don't ever break down the uh, tit for tat. I, I don't find that necessary. And, and, I've, and I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> it's working to pretty decent effect. I'm getting some really lovely scenes. My class last night was oh. absolutely beautiful. And it was just all based on um, you know, people's emotions that are pulling out of monologues or other people's stories and getting to play something really crisp and clean and not having to worry about rules, full stop. I think what you're doing, though, I mean, I, I understand there, there is a level at which, and you and I have both done it, mm-hmm. there's a, a level at which you can really analyze, maybe overanalyze the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in teaching someone like to sort of avoid doing that, what you're doing also is like basically, all right, there's no rules. I, I just want you to, you know, whatever you feel first, act upon. Mm-hmm. That's a rule. That's a rule. Absolutely. Sure. Right? And, yeah. And, Every time you give a direction like that, you're teaching them a rule that also probably illustrates other rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it, it knocks a whole bunch of things off the slate that are kind of ancillary to it, for sure. And I don't, and I don't say that, I don't, I don't claim that I'm a no-rules teacher. I, I'd say that, I, like I said, I have the luxury of not having to get into the mechanization of it too much. And that, for me, I, it's, I don't see eyes glaze over as much as when I was stuck into a curriculum and things like that. I, I just, I, no, I'm just thinking, it's like, I think if anyone says, there are no, what are they teaching? If they're, uh, I'm a no rules teacher, like what am I conveying? Right, I mean, right, right. And, and basically, well, maybe they're just not calling them rules. Maybe, well, if I, if I say this, that's not a rule, except that it kind of is. Sure. It conveys the lesson of, of, a, of a rule. I think rule, I think rule just as a word speaks to something as being hard and fast and as being uh, terse as a word. Right. Right. So it's a guideline or it's a nudge or it's a suggestion. You know, it's something like g- g- game as a thing to me as a student just was completely oblique and obtuse. I could never get my mind around it, even though I came up with a decent way to teach it when I had to teach it other places was part of the curriculum where I thought I came up with a great way to teach game. Uh, for me as a student going through that as a word to me never uh, excited me or enlightened me in any way. So I'm like, oh, okay, it's like uh, your gig versus my bag or whatever it is. Like I had to put it in my own terms, which right. I invite every student to do anyway. So I think just maybe as a word is like rule as being a hard and fast thing. I think maybe that's why people bristle against it. I won't say that I'm not either way. Of course, I've been colored by it. I've read every fucking book. Well, and, so, and again, yeah. I think you know a ton of fucking rules. And I think that you've, you know a ton of them that weren't really worth your time when you had to focus on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, because one of the great things about the idea of playing with no rules is you don't have to think about them. Right. And actually, I believe what you're teaching, which is a great thing, uh, is more so here's where to put your focus. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't need a, 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 a rule technically, although I would call it a rule, to, to say focus on the first thing that occurs to you. Focus on what your emotional reaction is to anything. Mm-hmm. Just focus on that and do whatever occurs to you. That doesn't sound like a rule. That sounds very freeing. Mm-hmm. But that's actually a really yeah. high-end rule. Right, right. Uh, it's like it takes a good player to pull that off. And the other person who pulls it off very easily is someone who's not an improviser. A very, a very beginning person, particularly someone who doesn't want to be an improviser, they do it great because mm-hmm. they don't give a shit. Right. All they want, all they do is listen and say the first fucking thing that occurs to them. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as you start 
and that's the whole idea when you start trying to be funny, when you start trying to be more than your basic reaction to something is, that's when you start fucking it up. And that's when you get in your head and start thinking about, oh, what, what are the rules I'm supposed to remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they can't help you now, man. Scene's on. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, like, and if, if you were to get into a thing, then you, you can... Right. I've been doing narrative improv mainly for the last 17 years. It's what opening night is. It's beginning, middle, and end. And it's a character's right. journey. And they're going to do so much of the thing that they were inspired to do in the beginning that it's going to be Joseph Campbell Town is either going to save them or ruin them, right? There's the binary of it. So it becomes very simple. And it's done in an easy way. If we were to want to fucking break down the rules of where the you know, act breaks need to be and all that shit. But who gives a fuck? At the end of the day, it's doing something to such an extreme that that's what happens, right? And that's all based off the beginning germ of something. So, right. right. But you're, so, not, you know, you're not thinking about any of those rules when you're doing it no no I mean, it you know them. yeah for sure so i mean but for me like also again like i said like uh, tailoring this for the industry it's like for you to come in i know that i'm gonna be inspired for a commercial audition for 30 seconds or for a scene that's five pages i know the beginning the middle the end i know that simple little arc my improvisation that's going to exist within the that is going to be inspired or whatever that or that inspiring moment was that thing that i read off the page of this shit com that i'm auditioning for or whatever it is right um so so again like i said i have the luxury of tailoring improv to a certain means to a certain end. Now, it's not creating a complex uh, long-form thing. I love that, and I think form is the future of everything and the, the linchpin to taking us to the next level. But, um, you think a more complicated long form or more? No, 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 no. I think a more, it could be sincere. It could be anything. But f it all comes down to form. I think the form's the revolution of improv for me. I think uh, the next huh. thing, yeah. I actually... A return to form. I think things are too amorphic and weird. And wow, that's really interesting because I would, I would, my my gut before I thought about it would be to say the opposite. You know, the, the form is not the answer. No. Uh, I think what what you teach actually is more toward the answer. Yeah. Uh, the answer is the individual. The answer is uh, getting people to not try and because there's just there's if, if if you put I've said I've said this before if, if you put shitty players in the worst form you can design. I mean, if you put shitty players in the best form you can design, it's going to be a shitty show. Mm -hmm, absolutely. But if you put good players into a crappy-ass form, it's going to be a good show. Right. I mean, I mean, I'm not disassociating them at all. No, no I'm, I mean, but I think I'm saying, because I've, I've done interesting forms. Uh, I've had a hand in coming up with interesting forms. And the forms weren't the answer. It was the individuals playing mm -hmm. them. Uh, but I definitely... I hadn't thought about it in as, as stark a way as you just put it, as far as form being an answer to move forward in some way. Uh, I find that very interesting, because I think my focus has, has been more on just people, mm -hmm. getting people more to ex accept that you know, they, they are, are already an improviser, how, how to be better at it, how to right. grow in that way. And Because I, I, I really don't think about form much at all anymore. Right, I, and I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying that I think form as it exists in terms of people doing things that are inorganic, or, or very organic, I mean, where things <coughs> are just kind Overly of... Overly organic. Yeah, yeah, just t t without without a focus, without a thing. So I think, for me, it's, it's okay, how can I uh, encapsulate what I'm teaching? How does that exist as a form? How are I gonna be able to display these individual voices or this talent uh, in that way? The, the, that's the nut I can't crack oh. to create like a new. St st it's for stage. I, I don't mean for. Oh no! Yeah, you don't know. I don't okay, mean for media. okay. Yeah. I, I think I, I think I see what you're, what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, because I, I think I think f for me, it's like if, if I see a player, it's like, oh, like, what are you good at? 
what makes you, you know, light up, what makes you move faster, what makes you seem more effective on stage, mm-hmm. uh, and then basically start crafting form around that. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing, though, the, 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 and, it's, and I know that I'm, I will completely wipe my hands free of being the architect of that because I'm, I'm out of touch. I'm too old, and it's going to be the younger people who have a voice who have been fed information a different way than you or I have. Like, you know, kids who've grown up on the Internet and stories are told in different ways, and we get vines and we get information from all these different ways of seeing things. So that's going to affect the way people tell stories. And, like, even to read books like Truth of Comedy that were written 25, 30 years ago, they are completely obsolete in terms of the references or the way people see the world or the temperature of their comedy or the timber of it, right? right? So it's, where's the next fucking punk rock version of that in terms of empowerment? And I don't mean angry. I just mean in terms of people uh, trusting their point of view and, and, and the form that's going to help carry <coughs> that forward. I, I would agree with that. I don't think enough people are looking to push the bounds. Mm-mm. I think I think people are you know they're trying to find their place within it, uh, and, and it's such a young art form that you really should be looking to all right what hasn't been done, uh, and how can I do that? Uh, all right, and any questions? <laughs> we got really intellectual. I always see like the, the the worst thing you could do with improv is like uh, fucking intellectual. No, nah, fuck but that. We, we about. talk about it. that's how we I get know, better. We I talk know. about it. We think about it. We come back. <laughs> we do it again. Uh, any questions? At no. all. Are we bored to tears? No. They're, they're the older generation coming back and going, now we're going to take your tools and redefine it our way? Uh, yeah, what about that? Can't the older generation be the punk rock ones? Yeah, what about, what about us, us, us 50-year-olds coming back to your house and yeah. saying, what up, yes, man? <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's... That's audience driven, though, isn't it? It's like who wants to listen to the older guy? And then that's that's not me being an asshole. I think that's just unfortunate. And I'm not. No, but it's a, that's a, the thing is, you're, what, what you're talking about is is a truism, right? Mm-hmm. The fact improv has, has been a younger man's game uh, for a long time. But when I, mean, when I started, yeah, there, there were no great 40 or 50 year old guys. Mm-hmm. But now when you think about the best guys playing, it's like. Yeah, they're forty. They're fifty. Absolutely. Right. So that's a new thing. Uh, basically, it's like I, I, that might be a, a thing to think about. It's like instead of designing my theater to be for twenty somethings, have it be for, you know. Let's get because by the way, those old people they have money. Yeah. And they have money. I mean, oh, they absolutely do. I mean, they have money. They're and, buying more Star Wars toys no, than the and, kids. I mean. I, 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 I'm not saying like just like as far as like coming out to shows. If you can do a show that'll attract an audience, median age, you know, 35 to 55, mm-hmm. that's gonna be. I mean, that's the, that's the one cool thing too about opening night. We get this audience where you we have a lot of gray hair in that audience. There you go. And it's an anomaly. You're doing, for you're doing musical. You're yeah, doing I know, something I know. that, that something they can that, access. But uh, it's a funny thing too. I was in a production meeting uh, yesterday, and I was, and they were wanting to bring in talent. I'm like, all right, great. I've got a lot of suggestions and a lot of people I can bring in for you. I go, now are you doing non-union? Because everybody's like, they don't want to be union signatory anymore on stuff. They're like, nope, we're gonna go legit. I'm like, great, cool. And I'm I'm assuming you want all millennial talent because that's all I've been hearing for the last like you know year. And they're like, nope, 
You can bring in any age. We just want them to be good. I was like, what fucking company is this? This is amazing. That'd be really great. They're like, because it's not working. The, the model's not working, especially for startups. They're like trying to go for the YouTube stars and the Vine stars and all these people are the young things. So, hey, maybe the, maybe this is a little credence to that, that us old guys still have some vim and, vic and vigor left in us. So. You don't get to qualify yourself as an old guy. I'm yet. 40 now, man. 40? I look young, but come on. Fuck you, you're 40. I, 40? <laughs> hey. You look like you're 30 years old. I know, thank God. I look like I'm 72. <laughs> <laughs> it's Keels face lotion, buddy. <laughs> All right. Get on the Keels. Well, let's do a fucking set. Yeah! Thanks for hanging out for the set. What's going to happen is me and Derek are going to do about 25 minutes.